past two weeks, I couldn't get past verse 1 and 2. I literally, Matthew 5, verse 1 and 2, I, I was there for two weeks. And every single word, God just went into every word and showed me stuff. I didn't even get to verse 3. So we'll get to verse 3 to 10 later in another, another time and day. But today we're just going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2. Uh, God just really, really just gave me so much marvelous stuff and that I'll be sharing today. Um, God came, we're talking about why the Sermon on the Mount, why the Beatitudes, why did Jesus come and say the stuff that he said? What was the reason for him saying this? Do, do you know all the wisdom that Jesus has? Do you understand the mind that he has? I mean, you know, he talks in, in, in the book about oil and water coming out of a rock. He talks to Job. He says, I made a boundary where the waves cannot go past. He talks about the earth being pulled down and fastened. I mean, there's so much that Jesus could say. You know, if you could ask him any question, what would it be? You know, and if we start over here with my beautiful wife, and we go all the way to right at the back there with Valentina in the corner, and, and, and you can ask God one question. You know how many different questions there would be in this group? And Jesus would have the answer to everyone. And just the way he would answer every question, we would be sitting, even if it's not my question, I just want to hear the answer because you're so amazing. And he would answer and he would answer. And so he's just so amazing. So he could have said anything, but why did he say this at this stage? Why did he come in the year that he did come and say the things that he did say? So behind the what he said, we have to know why he said it. The why behind the teaching. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit today. That's what he was talking to me about. So God's plan was always for man to be great. God is not against you and I being great. He wants you to be great. So many people are afraid of being great and being exalted and being lifted up. But how can we not be exalted? How can we not be great? Because you and I talk about verses that are in the world, uh, in the Word. You know, greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. Who's quoted that verse before? We hear that the whole time. Um, Jesus says that whatever you ask in my name, that I will do for you, that my Father may be glorified. And we quote these verses, but how many people are truly great? How many people are living a great life? Even though we quote the word. And, and Jesus says, through his word, he says, through Paul, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, if you and I can really do all things through Christ who strengthens us, shouldn't we be great? If greater is he that lives in me is greater than he that is in the world, shouldn't I be great? So why do we shy away from being great? It's because the devil has come and made us feel that we are just what he wanted man to be, a piece of trash. Greatness is not for you. You must be humble and you must stay low and bow down. And that was not God's will for man. So when Jesus comes, he's introducing a completely new concept to mankind when he comes and he gives this teaching. He's not against you and I being great. He just doesn't want you and I to make ourselves great. He wants to do the exalting. 
Because when he does the exalting and people see your greatness, who do we point to? It's him. Didn't Jesus pray in John 17, Father, glorify your son. Why? So that your son may glorify you. And we can say the same thing. When you are great and you do what you are called to do and people see your greatness, your gift, your talent, that in Psalms 139, David speaks about, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. When people see that in you, they know some or other how man... That's not you. There's got to be something behind that greatness. And when they can come and ask you, how do you do that? Why are you so good at what you do? It's not me. It's my Father that does the works. So Jesus came and he came to teach this stuff so that he could bring man into his original plan. Genesis 1.26. Be fruitful, multiply, rule, reign. You have dominion. Be great. This whole universe, this world, it's yours. And you're the boss. Whatever you say down here will go. Whatever I say up there, that will go. But this world, it's yours. Go and be great. Fill it up with me. And you can do it because I will be with you. How can we not be great? So Jesus came so that he could cut the strings of the evil puppet master. That's what G was talking about. That he could cut that ball and chain that man was wearing so that we could be free. That's why he came. Because even people in those days, man, you can go through everything here. Jesus talks to the the man who they go to, Nicodemus. If they wanted to know something about the law, they wanted to know something about the word, they would go to Nick. And they would say, Nick, what does the word say? What is God saying through this? And Nicodemus would have to teach them. And Nicodemus was clueless. Because he comes to Jesus at night and he says, Listen here, I know who you are. Because I can see that man does not do the things unless God is with him. So give me the secret. He was asking a question without even knowing it. Because Jesus said he answered him. So even the leaders of the day that people went to, They weren't great. They weren't living in the Genesis 1.26 blessing. And that's what Jesus came. That's what this whole thing is about, is to bring man up so that he can be great and that God may receive all the glory. So that's why Jesus came to do all of these things. Jesus said to Abraham, he said, I will bless you and I will make your name great. God's not against you being great. He promises it's a great thing for him. In the New Testament, if you humble yourself, I will exalt you. What is exaltation? To become great, to be lifted up so that people can see you. But they don't see you, they see the God inside of you. So don't fear to be great. Don't fear to do what you do so well that people just flock to you and they say, Man, I see in you the greatness of God. Don't be afraid of that. That's what Jesus came to do. That's why he went and he got onto the mountain and he did this whole sermon. And you may be sitting here today and think, well, I'm missing it by a mile because my life is not great. All it takes is repentance, to change your mind and say, he came so that we can be great. I'm going to start, when I walk out that door now, I'm going to start living a great life. I changed my mind today. I was born for greatness. You are God's perfect will here on earth. If you weren't, you wouldn't be here. And he wants you to be great so that he may be glorified. That's why Jesus came. 
Jesus says, even in the Gospels, can you remember when the disciples came and they said to him, who's going to be the greatest one day? Jesus didn't say, hey, you mustn't be great. He didn't say greatness is wrong. He didn't correct them for wanting to be great, but he said the way that you want to be great is wrong. If you want to be great, you will serve. He didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He wanted to rebuke them for being great out of themselves. But he said, if you want to be great, in other words, be great. He said, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to serve. And that's what Jesus came. He came to bless, we read two weeks ago. But how did he come? To serve. The King of glory came to you and I to serve us. And we still live in his greatness today. So that's the way that God in the flesh came on that mountain that day to speak to man, to tell them how to be great. Uh, He wanted man to be great in the sense of, like Jesus in the desert, He wanted man to be great, that everything that the enemy threw at man, every temptation the enemy brings in your greatness, you can just stand against that and say, it was written. It was written. That's greatness that God wants. How many of us here get bombarded with different things from the enemy and we give in? And we don't live in greatness in that moment when that temptation comes. And we give in. But Jesus said, you can do all things through me who strengthens you. This is how I did it in the desert. Be great like me. Get your answer from the word. And when that temptation comes, it is written. You take that sword and you stick it down the devil's throat. The word, the sword of the spirit. Take that word and shove it down his throat whenever he comes with any temptation, any sin, whatever he comes to you. Be great, because that's who you call to be. He came so that you and I can be great. Use the sword of the Spirit. Don't just keep it here and shine it every day and it looks so nice. Use it. Hebrews 2 verse 9, if we can put that on the screen. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Jesus placed himself at that low level so that we can be placed on his higher level. The the master, the creator of everything, willingly placed himself below the angels so that he could taste death for you and I, so that we could be raised up to his standard of living, to his way of coming against the devil, to his way of seeing things, to his relationship that he had with the Father. He went low so that we can have that. And that's what we should be living out. That's ridiculous. That that would be like me wrestling with my son who's two years old and I let him pin me down and break my arm. That, that's what Jesus did. He literally, he created the angels. He created everything and he made himself lower than that and let that which he created, quote unquote, break his arm. That's the level he went down to because he wants you and I to be great. It was never his plan for you and I to be beaten, kicked around by the enemy like the people were and unfortunately still are today. He came that we may live great lives. That's why the Sermon on the Mount is so important. 
That's why what Jesus said is so phenomenal because he's bringing in a completely new mindset that people never had. They never heard this before. It's absolutely new teaching. They were hearing the law, must, mustn't, can't, not allowed to do this, do that, and Jesus comes and he says, now you're empowered to prosper. They've never heard that language before. And so many of us today are also hearing must do, can't do, not allowed to do instead of you blessed. Jesus came, gave his life so that you may be raised up to, raised up to live life like he did. Jesus came to teach them and us today that they were not going to go to the temple anymore because they were going to be the temple. That's amazing. That's not good. That's amazing. Jesus came to teach the people, you're not going to have to go to the temple. You will be the temple. What a mindset change is that not? That they go to a place to worship. That they have to go to a place to meet God. That they have to do something to go somewhere and God says, no, you're going to be it. You will be the temple. Do you realize today, because we forget many times, this building that we're gathering is called a church, but you and I are actually the church. We forget that sometimes. We go to church on a Sunday. No, you go to church. You are the church in Walmart. You are the church when you put petrol in your car. You are the church when you go to the doctor. Sunday we come to celebrate and praise and worship, which we always do, but you don't go to church. You are the church. And he had to come and teach man that. This is brand new. And so many of us today are still not grasping what Jesus said on that mountain that day. He came to teach them and he came to teach us that wherever they would walk, the kingdom would walk with them. The kingdom wasn't in a place where they went, the kingdom was. Mindset, change. I you carry the kingdom. How can we not be great? I'm not against, listen to me and listen to my heart, but people in the church are bound with pornography, with drugs, with alcohol. There's divorce. There's families falling apart. And we serve God Almighty. How is that possible? I'm not pointing a finger. I'm saying we need to live on a higher level. It's available, and we're just not appropriating that. How is it possible that if you take people at your job and you would line them all up and you hear all the stories what the people are battling with, the people who go to this building every Sunday in most fashions and ways are battling with the same stuff that people who don't even know God are battling with. How can that be? That's why he came to preach and teach this sermon. To say those days are over. I have come and you will now live through me and you are now empowered to prosper every area of your life. How, brothers and sisters, can we not be living a great life? That's why Jesus came. That's why he gave this teaching. You know, after three years with these guys, Jesus showing them the kingdom, he says in John 16, just before he goes to the crucifixion, 
16.12, it says, there's so many things that I want to say to you, but you can't bear them right now. We've done a teaching on this before, but I mean, after three years, these guys saw the kingdom in action. They caught fish that broke their nets, that sunk their boats. They went and got money out of a fish's mouth. They saw that happening, yet Jesus says to them, I want to say so much, but you can't handle it. What do you think if he said that three years before to all of those people on the mountain, the things that his disciples saw? They battled enough with, blessed are you who mourn. They they didn't get it, but to the 12 that hung around with him, he still said to them, there's so much I want to say, but boys, you can't get it. So it took time and the Holy Spirit had to come, but that's why he introduced the Sermon on the Mount, to change their minds so that what he did and in the kingdom, the way things worked, they, everyone on that mountain was able to do that and everyone sitting in this building here today is able to do the same. That's why he came that year when he was born. That's why he came that specific day on that mountain to speak those specific words. That's why this is so important. Who of us can remember the days driving in your car, you got lost? Now you've got to find the way. You don't know where you're going. I don't know in, in America, but in South Africa, you had to look for coins. It was either five cent or a 10 cent or a 20 cent. Then you had to look for a ticky box, a pay phone. You had to find one. Find one that works. Pull off the road. Get the number. Put the money in. Blah, 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 blah. Who... Who lived in those days? Raise your hands. Not very many. Now, today, what happens? GPS, cell phone, young people do not have a cooking clue about what I just said. It's not their fault. It's just, and what happens is, in the kingdom, because we grow up where we do, we don't realize how life was before this kingdom was here. These young people don't realize what it means to get lost. Look for a phone, look for money, because all of them have cell phones and GPSs. Can you remember when you drank your coffee and there was no microwave? You couldn't just put it in and zap it for 30 seconds. You either finished it then or you threw it away. There was no meal that you just put in. Popcorn, you put oil and the little pips in there so that it would pop. There's no packet, put it in and 30 seconds later you're eating popcorn. And this is what Jesus was saying to me. We have to get through the fact that just because we live in the kingdom every day, don't take it for granted. Don't think that he was speaking on the mountain to those people that day. Those words he spoke that day are just as much for us here today as they were for those people. So don't just go through this and, wow, that's a nice sermon. Wow, great word, Jesus. You're just, no. He's changing the way we think so that we can live the way he lived. Otherwise, he would not say, John 14, 12, the works that I do, you will do the same and greater. That's why he came to speak those words that day. He wants us to live a great life. So God was reminding me always that the kingdom is around us and we don't realize it because we grow up in it. And the, the catch for our whatever, talk about the kingdom, oh, whatever. Go and heal the sick, whatever. We just hear it and it just becomes because we grew up in it. It's always been around us. I don't believe anyone in this room was raised through the Jewish law and you had to. So for us, because we under grace, well, whatever. I just grew up in it, so it's my everyday life. 
do we realize what it means not to be under law and under grace? But we just take it for granted. I'm under grace. His blood paid so that I can be free. Whatever. It's not whatever. It's, oh my Lord, thank you that I was born in this day, this age. Not that side of the cross. And so many grace messages going out now because people are not getting it. If it wasn't that important, there wouldn't be so many people preaching grace. So it's not just the, oh, whatever, good sermon. No, this, this is very important for us today. That's why Jesus came that day and said what he did. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit, literally took me through every single word of verse 1 and 2. Every word. And just showed me stuff. And I will be here till next week if I have to go through everything. It's just phenomenal. Um, Let's see for time-wise. Let's. Can we put on the screen there, please, Matthew 5, 1 and 2? Every single word. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, if you're writing down, write everything down. This is when you go home, you can put them in any sequence you want, but this is, this is going to be really good. The last thing that these people heard was 400 years before what they heard today. That's the last time a prophet spoke to them. Malachi. Okay. So 400 years, the last prophet that spoke to them is Malachi. For 400 years, there's no angelic visitation, there's no prophet, there's no word of the Lord. It's what Malachi said was the last prophet that spoke. So for 400 years, they're hearing the words of Malachi, the last prophet. Let's go through a couple of things that Malachi said, just to bring in perspective what these people were thinking. Malachi chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you. I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not resolved to honor me. That's the word of God to the people. That's what they're hearing. You cursed. That's what they're growing up in. That's what these people, they're born into. That's the word of the Lord. Because you don't honor me, you cursed. Malachi goes on. Chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, which we grew up with in church. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. That's what they're walking around with. We're just a cursed people. Now when your neighbor puts a voodoo chicken paw on your door in the post box and slaughters a cat and throws it on your porch, eh, if the Lord God Almighty says, I will curse you, now you're you dealing with a curse, my friend. And God here says through Malachi, your whole nation is cursed because you're not honoring me, you're not tithing, you're not fearing me, you're cursed. Even your blessings will be cursed. That's what they're hearing day after day after day. Cursed, 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 not living up, can't do, not doing right. Malachi goes on. He's just full of good news. Chapter 4, verse 1. 
For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither nor root nor branch. This is God speaking through a prophet. That's what they're hearing. That's what they're hearing. You curse, death, stubble, fire. The Lord is coming to get you. That's what they're growing up with every single day. Can you imagine the change when Jesus comes and he says, Blessed. Can you imagine the change of mind where Jesus comes and he says, I'm here that you can have fullness of life. Can you imagine Jesus comes and he says, the Father's not against, there's no more cursing anymore, you're blessed. Where Jesus comes and he says, it's not because of what you do or what you don't do, it's because of what I am going to do for you. Can you imagine the mindset, the change that the people had to renew their minds to? And today in the church we hear many times the Malachi message instead of the Jesus message. Let's turn to John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is what we spoke about two weeks ago. Grace. And that's what God wanted me to talk about today, is the grace and the truth that came through him. Um. Okay, so Jesus comes so that grace and truth can come through him. It's the same for us today. But they're hearing from 400 years ago, they're hearing the law and you're not living up. Then, Matthew 5, 1 and 2, seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth saying, in Exodus chapter 19, if you go and read that, we read about Moses. God speaks to Moses. God makes it so plain and so clear. He says in that chapter 19, he says, you tell the people to go and consecrate themselves for two days to wash and clean so that on the third day they can come, but they better be consecrated. Husbands, don't even go close to your wives. This is God now. This is Moses going up onto the mountain and he receives something from God. God says to him, you better go tell those people not to break through the barriers. And Moses says, oh, don't worry, the people won't. We put a barrier there. And reading the word, God says to Moses, away, with a big exclamation mark, telling him, you obviously don't understand people. You go and tell them, this is serious business. Don't come through the barrier. Because if you or any animal touches the base of this mountain, so surely shall you die. There's smoke, there's thundering, the, the, the mountain is shaking, there's, uh, it, it's, it's horrific, it's, just, it's like a Hollywood fearful movie. That's God. To the point where Moses goes up, he comes down, his face is covered, the people are running, they say to Moses, you deal with God, we, this God is just too much. So Moses goes up and he gets the law. And he comes down and he says to the people, you will, you will not, not allowed to have to do this. But look here, look at Matthew 5 verse 1. 
and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. Just like Jesus. Just like Moses. Moses went up. Fear, panic, fire, shaking, lightning, thunder, and what comes down? The law. Jesus, Moses being a type and shadow of Jesus, Jesus going up onto a mountain, waiting for all the people to come as you are. Don't have to consecrate yourself anymore. Don't have to do something to be able to come into the presence of God. He sat down and he waited. He waited till everybody that needed to be there was there that day. And only then did he open his mouth and he started teaching. Where Moses said, this mountain you touch, you die. Jesus said, everybody, come. Come as you are. Because I am here to consecrate you. I have come so that my blood will clean you and you can go into the presence of the Father wherever you want, how long you want, any day, any place you are. That's the difference between the two mountains, Sinai with the law and the mountain that Jesus went up to to bring this down. He waited for everyone to be there. It says he saw the multitudes. How much or how many people make a multitude? I'm telling you, every single word God dealt with me with. How many is a multitude? So if you have a multitude and you remove one person, it's not a multitude anymore. If I'm selling feathers by the ton, I have a ton of feathers, and I remove one feather, how heavy is that feather? It's nothing. But you know what? That ton is not a ton anymore. It's a ton minus one feather. So I can't sell that as a ton. So when Jesus waited for the multitude, he was waiting for every single person. Because when you and I read the multitudes, we think about many, not me. No, he's calling you up the mountain. Because if you were not up the mountain, the multitude would not be a multitude anymore. He's waiting for you to come up. He's waiting for you to get close to him, that you can get that grace. And if you are not there, the multitude is missing one. Did Jesus not say, go and read in the Gospels, he says, if the, what's it, the farmer, the shepherd, if he loses one sheep, what does he say? Where does he go to find him? If he goes into the mountains to look for that sheep and he finds him, why does he have to go to the mountain? Because that's where the grace comes from. When Jesus stood up there, waited for the multitudes, every single one of us sitting in this room, you're part of that multitude. And if you're not there, the body of Christ is missing something. You may be sitting here and saying, oh, my life, or I've blown it, or I've done so much. No, you don't understand the cross and the grace of God. And he waited for the multitude. He's waiting for you and I to come up that mountain and say, I believe I'm going to receive every word that comes out of your mouth. I'm going to live a great life. Why? Because of grace. Nothing I do, nothing I didn't do. It's because of your grace alone, and I believe in that. But if you are not there, the multitude is not complete. We need to go up to the mountain. He's waiting for every single one of us. This past Monday in the healing rooms, uh, I'll tell quickly, in there, in 
because we can't go downstairs. I don't know if anyone went downstairs because there's a big plastic thing and it says there, danger, do not enter. That's pretty scary. This is a church. We're friendly. It's just because there's something happening there, but that's a fearful sign. Danger, do not enter. So we pray for the people in here. So a young person walks into that door over there and three of us pray for that young person. And that young person says, I've done something stupid, I've made a mistake. And the doctors say, this is going to be with me for the rest of my life. I can't have a family, I can't have kids anymore because of this one stupid, silly mistake that I made. And I just, I want to be, I want you, I want to be, he, this person is so sin ridden because of that one stupid mistake that could be with them for the rest of their lives. Have you ever made one very, very bad mistake that was maybe one hour of fun that can cost you for the rest of your life in such a manner that you can't even look behind you? That's what this person did. So we prayed with this person and told this person about the love and the grace and the blood of Jesus. And the Lord gave me one scripture for this person. And I read the scripture and this person literally started shaking shaking, standing there. And when we were finished, this person stood there for three, four minutes, just holding their breast like this, just, just standing like that. And you could see just the weight off. They were just as light as a feather, standing there with their eyes closed, just doing this in the presence of God. I said, that's good news. He said, man, I've never heard that. I said, exactly, that's the gospel. Because you thinking you made your bed, now you lie in it. That's not the gospel. Because if we made our beds and we would lie, Jesus wouldn't come. Because the word says, while we were yet sinners, he proved his love and came for us. He didn't say, you wait, when you get your act right, I'll come down. He said, no, while you're a sinner, I'll come down, I'll catch you first and then I'll clean you. So this person is standing there and just waves of just joy and just peace. Physical manifestation in that room over there. Then this person stayed behind and Jason and Elizabeth and and the guys are worshipping and singing and this person stayed behind and and about an hour later, Elizabeth comes in, Jason's wife. And she sits over there where Miss Cindy is sitting and she stands up after a while and she says, I've just had a vision. And she says, the vision is this, I saw a huge wall that was graffitied on and this whole wall was just ugly with graffiti, filled with just terrible stuff. But I saw Jesus Christ come and just paint that wall as white as snow. That you can't even see that there was anything on that wall. It's just clean. It's white. And I believe that vision is for someone sitting in this room here. And you made a mistake and you believe that you have to bear the price for that. But Jesus says he washes your mistake away. And you know what? She opened the Bible and she read the exact same verse that I read to that person about an hour earlier in there. The same exact verse. And that person's eyes by this time were like saucers. Just to hear the good news of the gospel. Do you know what? He was one that Jesus waited for. And if that one did not come, the multitudes would not have been the multitudes anymore. That Jesus cares, that person's not even in our church, not even a member. He's a child of, they are a child of God, they're in the body. 
They belong to Jesus. He cares for every single one. And if every single one does not come, there are no more multitudes anymore. We're out of time. I have so much more. God was just every single word. I'm telling you, it was phenomenal. But we're going to pray now. And as G said, if you are here and you're walking around with a ball and chain around your ankle, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, you know, lying, gluttony, whatever is bound to your leg of freedom that is keeping you from living the great life, we want to pray with you and cut that off because that's what Jesus came to do. So when we finish, come forward, we will have prayer people here that want to pray with you and, and, and cut that thing off so that you can live a great free life. That's why we have this sermon teaching on the mount so that we can go free and live the life he came. Let's change our mind to not go up the mountain to receive the law, but we go up the mountain and receive the grace of God. Let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this message that you have given. Holy Spirit, you're such an amazing teacher. Thank you for words of life. Thank you for words of love. And we receive your word today, Lord. We receive it and we say, yes, we want to be great. We want to live great lives unto our God. Your word says, even in this this teaching, you say, let your light so shine so that men... Let your light so shine that men would see the good works of the Father. So we thank you, Lord, that you are in us. Yes, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Yes, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yes, everything is possible because of Jesus. And we agree with that, Lord. So we just thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you for every person that will come now for prayer. That 2,000 years ago, you already cut that chain and that ball off so that they can be free today. That is your will for them. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We respect you and your word. We are not ashamed to be called children of God, Christians, little Christ-like ones, little anointed ones running around like their daddy. We thank you for this day and for this message. We praise you. And everything that we ask, Lord, we do so in the precious name above all names the name of our mighty Savior, friend, brother, Jesus Christ. Amen.